Father, Father, we thank you for your Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. The gift of Jesus, the gift of the Father to us today. And we just ask you to, to come as Jesus promised you would come. Thank you that you're here already. And bring us into more truth than we have right now. So that we may have the full measure of your joy within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as you know, some of us, and maybe many of us, uh, together and apart because of our circumstances and uh, weekly uh, activities, have set aside this past week for prayer and fasting. To come before God and say, Lord, um, will you do in us and through us and among us what we cannot do and accomplish by organization? by theology, by singing? Will you do something that is underlying and, and permeating all of those things? And I just thought I'd spend a little time talking about why have we done this and what are we looking for, what do we believe we're looking for. And then I'll provide an opportunity for maybe a few people who have something to share of this week to come up and just very briefly share it. It's not a platform for a whole lot of stuff. It's just about what God is doing this week. Um, we know we cannot be a church where Jesus is alive by running programs by singing songs or doing good works we know we live in, a, in, in the most affluent culture in the world we also live in the culture that, uh, of North America that claims a lot about God but manifests very little if you compare, if you compare the resources of the third world and the first world, and you compare the spiritual power that is manifest in those worlds today, the third world is head and shoulders above the rich nations in terms of spiritual power, spiritual life, spiritual growth. It's not, it's not beating us up, it's merely just that's what is. Look at the statistics and listen to the people who study these things and hear from the different countries. And we say, why is that? And the bottom line is really, really easy. It's not a lot of deep digging. It's that we're so busy and we have so much stuff that it takes us... We're more deaf, we're more preoccupied, um, we're less desperate until something really crashes. I was sitting on the dock with uh, Micah last week. He was saying, what a beautiful view, and they've got these beautiful scenes in Uganda. And, and I was saying, you know, the northwest of North America is one of the toughest places for spiritual growth or Christianity because there's so much occult, there's so much, there's so much stuff around in this part of the world. It's the pioneer edge of the continent where everybody didn't want to submit to anybody came on this side. And they shot you if you didn't agree with them and this was the Wild West and still is in many ways. And he said uh, he's seeing more and more and he spent six years in the States you know, already. He said uh, it's easy not to feel the need for God around here. On a superficial level, 
Because under the surface there's a huge need, isn't there? It's just that we've got enough resources to kind of get design your own veneers for our lives so we can hide. But Jesus wants to not be a God of desperation. I mean, Jesus didn't come to say, look, when you're really desperate, I'm here for you. Or when someone dies, call me up and I'll take the funeral. He came to be a friend. And he came that we might have life. He said, you're designed for me. You think you can be designed for all this other clutter. But those are toys. They're not reality. And you're not taking them with you. This is merely a launching pad for something far greater. And the more toys you have, the more difficult it is to press in with Jesus. Because Jesus says, I'm walking with you. And I want you to walk with me. And what's the tension in the church? What's the tension in our Christian lives? It's who is God? Who is Lord? Our mindsets and our cultures are so much come to Jesus because this is what he can do for you. And that's true. He is a servant. But he is also God. He also calls us to him and says, now let me lead you. And in our culture again, we're not good at following we become very opinionated very quickly. We grow into our confidence very quickly. In the Christian church we call it theology. And we create a denomination for ourselves. There are thousands of denominations, each with the truth, in inverted commas, with a smile. It's a reflection of our opinionated being. It's a reflection of our rebellion. It's a reflection of how we cherry pick the gospel of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we say, I want that part because it keeps me safe. It doesn't put me in any awkward positions. And so we have a cherry-picked theology in our culture. We have cherry-picked churches. This church stands for this and this church stands for that. And I'm sure Jesus says, it's pathetic. I didn't die for that. I died for a friendship with you. So, at the end of the day, all Jesus is asking us is, do you love me? And will you obey me? As a friend, not as a, as a command of great grinding intensity. As a friendship, out of friendship. I don't want you to do anything for me. I want you to live with me. That's why we've been praying and fasting that God will work more deeply in our hearts and spirits, that we will fall in love with Jesus, not serve him with sweat on our brow in a kind of, oh my, I've got to go to church now, oh my, I've got to do this, oh my, I've got to better not do that, because what will they think? That's not what God is about. That's not, not, not what Jesus is about. He's about touching our hearts. That's what he spent the first three years with the disciples. He said, come and follow me. And he spent his time in community, walking with them. Most of the time, you can see it, this tension. Most captivated, and we always caricature poor old Peter, but Peter so eloquently expresses me. 
And Jesus continually saying, Peter saying, let's go this way. Jesus saying, no, we're going that way. And that's the whole sort of dance that they do. Until eventually they crash down at the cross together. Jesus on the cross, Peter underneath, saying, oh God, what have I done? You can't arm wrestle Jesus. He is God. And I believe one of the reasons we're so ineffective, one of the reasons why we don't have more life and more joy is because we cherry pick our relationship with God too much. We don't trust Him with our lives. And I'm not rebuking you, I'm speaking out of my life. And we want more than that. Because I don't want to, I don't know about you, but I don't want to come here every Sunday for the next 20 years dragging my heels, going, oh my word, I've got to talk to this bunch again and they've got to deal with me and we've got to make it through another week and we've got to pretend this Christianity is fun. I don't want to do that. I'm not interested at all. I want to see a place where there's life, there's power, where, where the, the Spirit of God is present, where lives are changed because Jesus is present. Not by hype, but by a, a deep encounter with the living God. And so what Jesus was doing with the disciples was leading them on a very ordinary road in a very extraordinary way. And leading them to experience and know the life of God on earth as it is in heaven. To learn freedom in the context of the prison camp, as we've spoken about many times, to learn freedom, how to live free in a place that is not free. Because this earth is not heaven and never will be. And so what he's got to do with us is transform us. And Christianity is all about being transformed more and more into what God created us to be. And we're very funny creatures because we go, I don't need to be changed. I'm comfortable where I am. And Jesus is continually nudging us to say, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit is a person. What does that mean? Maybe we can think about it as the Father is the creator of the universe. In Him all things are held together. The universe, this earth, was in rebellion and basically said we want to rule this place and that's what it has become a place of rebellion and a place of uh, we've established sovereignty we want to do it and as uh, we spoke actually in the prayer time last, last night if, if we look at how we live and the number of rules we have to keep our freedom and we contrast them with the number of rules God gives God's going to look really thin in terms of the number of rules. In our way of doing things, replacing God, we're much more bound in rules than God is. And, and God works very simply. God the Father sent Jesus the Son to break the barrier that came up between rebellion, where we said, I don't need God. And that's why Jesus went to the cross, to pay the price for the sin of our rebellion. We reflect that in our culture. Somebody breaks into a house, if somebody murders, we demand justice. 
Well, God also demands justice. But he so loved the world that he sent his son so that justice would be met, but his love was also met. Where he said, I will die for you, I'll take the penalty for you. Now some of us have heard that so many times, we actually live under entitlement. We think we're doing God a favor now. We very casually flip off, Jesus died for my sin, and we carry on as if we can do exactly what we like. Or we grow into a little position in Christianity, maybe two years, maybe three years, we go for a few conferences, or maybe we go to theology school, you know, and we, we, we work out our answers and our positions. And then we put our stake in the ground and say, that's what I believe. And you go, wow, that's amazing. Three years, five years, forty years, you've got God all worked out and you're working out how he works, when he works, who he works through, what his theology is, what your theology is. Isn't that, that's amazing. The God of the universe, whose thoughts are not our thoughts, we've got pinned down. And we live in our poverty. And we've been fasting to say, God, we know that's true of us. But we also know that you are God and I'm not. And I repent of my ability to continually distill you down into my framework and keep you locked in there. And Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear and hear. Why? Because you can't tell children too much, they overload. They won't understand it. So I'll leak it out to you bit by bit. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, which means be aware that you never will have all truth. You will be guided into all truth all your life. And in all that all truth, might be things that come right against what you and I now believe to be true. What a thought. When we read about Saul riding to Damascus, what do we find? A man with passion, integrity, huge intellect, knocked off his horse or donkey or feet by the power of the Spirit of God saying, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Struck him blind and got his attention. Turned him upside down, threw him out into oblivion for about 14 years and then let him loose and he has become the foundation intellect for the New Testament. So we're fasting and praying for humility. We're fasting and praying that God, will you take this small group of people and will you lead us into your ways and will you help us to let go of our agendas for our life and for the church and for everything which usually covers up our insecurity and our rebellion. I will lead you into all truth. And Jesus rose from the he went to the cross as I've said and he rose from the dead in order that you and I would know God as Father. There is no other place where God is revealed as Father, who is noble as Father. And I've spent many, many hours with people who long and hunger for the love of the Father. And very often have to be released from the distortion of fatherhood that we do give to one another in our parenting and in our children. 
The Holy Spirit does that. Many, many people are not in church today because they've heard words but they've never seen the substance of what the words have pointed to. They've never actually experienced the heart of the Father. You see, if you take the Holy Spirit out of the equation, all you have is teaching. All you have is theory. All you have is... If I give you these five points on how to live your life well, then go and apply them. And you do. You go and apply them in your own strength. When you fail, you feel guilty. And you slowly drift off. Or you become a hypocrite because you keep the veneer on the outside of what you're trying to do to make sure everybody knows that you're doing it okay. It's really stressful. And very empty. And what happens with that is you become defensive and then you become legalistic and then you get really bristly. And then you say you're standing for Jesus and you're being persecuted. And you're not. You're just being a pain. And you're not standing for Jesus. You're standing for your own stuff which is masquerading as Jesus. And so we're asking for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, to humble us, to make us gentle, to love everyone. I was reading about the weeds and the tears. You know, the, Jesus says, "Don't pick up the weeds. Don't, uh, don't uh, take out the weeds. Let them grow together." Do you notice he um, he says, "It's for your good that I'm going away, that I might send you the Spirit." So he seems to think the Holy Spirit is quite important. And what will the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit will do some things. He said he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he qualifies that, and it's really interesting. He says, the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of, will convict you of guilt. He will not shame you. He will convict you of where you are not being what I call you to be. I will convict you of guilt and righteousness, and righteousness is about how you live in step with me. That's why I'm less and less inclined to have lots of arguments. I'd rather say, let's just talk to Jesus. Let him reveal what's true here. Because the heart, our hearts are so deceived and we're so arrogant and we're so quickly defending our stuff. Jesus will reveal, the Holy Spirit will reveal truth very quickly. So will worship, actually. If you want to have a discerning of spirits and know whether it's of God or not, just come into worship or bring people to Jesus. Jesus reveals truth very quickly. But he says also, and for judgment, but he doesn't say judgment of other people. He says judgment of Satan. Evil is judged and condemned. He does not give us the place to judge others. He says that's mine and it's not yours and at this point I'm judging others. Judgment actually is being held back. Grace and mercy is what is here now. And the Spirit will guide and it will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Verse 15. The Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. That is why we've been praying and fasting. Lord, what is of you that we don't have? And what is it of you that you want to release in us? Now there's only one way that that can be answered. And that way is to assume that I don't have all of him in me yet. And all of him in me that he desires to be released is not released yet. 
And so my position before him is one of openness to help him redefine me. And I believe one of the key elements of the Christian gospel that God's trying to get through to us is saying, let me take charge and let me design. Let me show you what you cannot ask or imagine. And then we'll see something amazing. And that's what the Acts of the Apostles was about. In the Acts chapter 2, and this is just very uh, brief, in Acts chapter 2 he says, I will pour out my spirit. In the last days God says, and these are the last days from from the resurrection of Jesus, the last days. I'm not into, I'm afraid, you will never hear from me a last days sermon. I'm just not into it. I can't understand the point of it other than it's happening. But sitting there, to me, Jesus, they, the, the guy, well, you remember the disciples when Jesus was resurrected, I mean, ascended. They said, What are you standing on that hill? I've stood on that hill and looked up at the sky outside um, Jerusalem. There's clouds there now. He said, Why are you looking up there? Go back. And I really don't think we should spend a lot of time on the end days. I think it's conjecture. And I think it's a great avoidance of actually applying the gospel in the present. And there is one heap of nonsense that goes out in that little part of the theology. But that's another story. Acts 2.17 is about, In the last days God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Now if he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, what does that mean? means, genie, that you can't hide behind the door, right? Yeah. It means all people. Which means, in the Greek, all people. You see, there are many of us who actually I don't need anymore. Or I don't believe that. And Jesus has to say, actually, you know what? I'm God and I'm not asking you what you believe right now. I'm telling you what you need. If you don't want it, you can walk away. But you need my spirit, that's why I pour it out. I don't throw my stuff around for nothing. This incredible invitation to a people who walk by candlelight to say, here is power for electricity that you might have floodlights. That's what it is. Power to live more effectively, joyfully. And the only thing between us living like that and not living like that is pride. I have no need or the other one. You remember when Jesus invited everyone to the banquet? He told the parable. He said, come to the banquet. He said, not yet, not yet, not yet. I've got a cow and I've got this, my wife. and He says, well, go and get the other people then. I want to exhort us, including myself, that there's an urgency. There is an urgency. That God is saying now. Now is the time. Now is the time of the release of my spirit. Now is the time for us to be walking in step. Now is the time to bow the knee. Now is the time. He says yes, but on my terms. Now is the time for me to be God. Now is the time for you to bring everything you have and are and lay it before me and say, Lord, it's yours. And you say, okay, I'll take you seriously. Give that away. Give me that. Share that. Now is the time. 
It's not an exhort, exhortation of a slave master. It's a father to a son and a daughter. I will pour out my spirit on all people and all people will share in dreams and visions and words. That's what we're fasting for. Lord, your living word that doesn't replace the Bible, that doesn't replace Jesus, but that fulfills the word of God in today. How do you want us to live here now in power? I think God's vision is for every church to be packed with hungry, thirsty people who know Jesus and love Jesus. Well, the key to this place being packed is you and me. We double our numbers if each person prays, talks, brings one person. The trick is, it's no longer about, well, we go and bring people in here and then the professionals pray for them. No, the, the prophecy and the gift is, it's for all people. So you go out, you lay hands on the sick, you heal them, that Jesus heals through you, then bring them in and they say, what's that about? That's Jesus. Oh, I want to meet him. That's what the disciples did. The only thing stopping us doing that is pride. And I can't do that because, you know, I don't do that. And Jesus says, I know, that's exactly why I've just said to you, I'm sending you my spirit. Because I'm going to fill up in you what you do not have. But how do I know you'll do anything? Well, that's what I'm going to teach you. That's called trust. What if it doesn't work? That's called humility. That's how I'm going to refine you. That's how I'm going to equip you. That's how I'm going to release you. No more excuses. No more sidestepping. I'm standing before you saying, will you go? Will you follow me? Will you be filled? And the exciting thing is that Jesus, I'm absolutely confident of this, will stand before every single person here this morning and say, I love you more than you understand. I know all your hang-ups. I could argue with you about some of your thinking, but I won't. And I want to use you. But I want to use you as your Lord. I want to stop messing around and I want to get serious with you. Because you're making a mess right now. You're trying to juggle too many things. I need to be central. I need to be Lord. And you need to know that everything you are and have is mine. And a gift to you on loan and much of which I've given you is for you to share in your character your life your spirit and your, your stuff that's why we're fasting and praying Lord may I be excited about being freely available to you and freely available to serve you however you want because when others taste and see you that is rich Anybody else want that? You can't plead exception. Not, we all have to go with Peter through the dust to the cross and then into the marketplace empowered by the Spirit. If you try and get to the marketplace empowered by the Spirit without the cross you'll just make a mess and look a fool. And nothing will happen. 
And so God's invitation to us, I believe, is to allow him to have his way with us. And for us to allow his love to so penetrate our hearts that out of that love will come the life that he has for us and will come the power and will come the joy and will come the effectiveness in seeing other lives changed. Because the people who he loves don't need to hear more words. They need to see something different, more than that. It might be how you love God when you suffer. It might be how you love God when things aren't going right in your life. It might be all kinds of things that you and I don't expect to be very eloquent to other people. Success is not what draws people to God. Because anybody can live, I love Jesus and success. It's living in the mundane of life and demonstrating a joy that is remarkable. That is the gift of the Spirit. Because the Spirit reminds us that we are looked after by God, that He is our Father, that no matter what the circumstances or how big the waves, He will hold us, even through death. And that is extraordinary. And we cannot fake it. And you and I know that you can see Jesus in people. Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, patience, self-control, humility. You can't fake. And if you really want to test whether it's Jesus in someone, just push him a bit. Argue with him a bit. Challenge him a bit. See what spills out. It's fun to do that. <laughs> I thought I'd give a few people, and I don't know who that might be, if, if anybody wants to just speak into maybe what this week has been about for them, if the Lord has said something or done something. I know one or two of you certainly have things you could share. If you want to come up, um, then please feel free to do that, because we want to bear witness to what God is doing. Um, he's doing it quietly. Sometimes you want all the razzmatazz, which I do sometimes, but uh, He's speaking to us. So, if there are a number of you who would like to come up, come and uh, just just come up and uh, speak into my mic as well. I'll hold it up to you. It's just so that uh, we can be broadcast over the internet. I think most of you that know me, have you paid attention to me, would have seen my legs have been failing. I haven't been able to walk. I sleep in a fetal position, I sit on my jaw, I sit in my office, and when I rest at night, I sit with my legs up watching TV, or reading. Watching TV, mostly. <laughs> and, and in this week, knees came up. Carol had a picture of knees. So we went into praying. And laying hands on knees, and there's quite a few people there. Six days ago, I could not have danced. And what God showed me is, Fred, I want you to sleep stretched out. In the physical, you can do that. But He said, in the spiritual, will you trust me to stretch you there too? And I said, yes. I was asked this morning if I would do that. 
Ajadias. I'm dancing for the king. And I pray for now on. Anything I do is for the king. Doesn't matter what I have. Doesn't matter what I own. Doesn't matter. It's for the king. And I pray I can be a servant to you. And to the people of this city. It's just exciting. Because he's brought healing in me. I walk a different stride. I'm feeling younger. And I just thank the Lord for it. Amen. Thank you, Fred. Anybody else? A couple of you come up so we don't wait and then we'll... This is Ken, the drummer. Um, I've never... I've never done this before, not in the same way. I fasted a day. I've fasted a week for several meals a day, but I've never fasted completely for a week. And uh, and it's I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it, but this is the way I decided to do it this week. And really what I wanted to try and do was take away all the distractions. So it wasn't just meals, but it was other things that, that basically things that the flesh calls for it's, it's a lot of it and, and I realized as I went through this week how much we need our soothers and how much you I mean you can go a lot more than a week without eating but we eat because it's trying to satisfy something in us trying to comfort us so I became very aware of that as the week went along and I mean there's there's obviously practical reasons as we fast I mean you have more time at lunchtime rather than eating we were getting together when I was able to, and we were we were praying, and and we were able to start earlier in the evening because you didn't have dinner. So there's very practical reasons. I mean, you save on toilet paper, you know. <laughs> uh, but but really, what I became aware of was how much our flesh needs to submit to the Spirit of God, and. That is, oh, you just got it, Craig. <laughs> how much the flesh needs to submit to the Spirit of God. Of how much the flesh drives what we do in our lives. And, um, and I realized how much more I need to allow God to be ruling me by my Spirit. That the flesh needs to submit to the Spirit of God. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. Mrs. Jemson, Barbara to some. Barbara and John have been amazing. They've been at everything this week. And it's been quite an exciting week. Yes. <laughs> so, you speak into that. Right. Don't worry. It'll be. So, what's happened for you? Cause um, well, I, I wasn't expecting... Um, any great happenings but uh, well I was expecting something but I didn't know what it was <laughs> and uh, as I'm diabetic I, I couldn't fast as much as some of the others did and uh, anyway we were watching films uh, in the evenings and um, this is part of the uh, program we yes, had short very clips good. I, yes short clips and um, also um, some, well, I'd seen them before, actually. I think. Stay, stay very disciplined. 
Very disciplined. Yes, on what you're saying now. Oh, all right. Don't go off onto long. So you got a picture, didn't you? That I was did. very exciting. But it was after um, Alex Buchan's yeah. um, uh, clip on forgiveness or unforgiveness or whatever. Vision, actually. Vision, all right. Well, I, I had a flash vision, you might say. <laughs> there I was, sitting there, not expecting anything. And suddenly this came on me like this. <laughs> and uh, it was... Um, I was going up some steps in my garden, really, and somebody took out a pair of handcuffs and put them on me, on my hands at the back. My hands were at the back, and there I was, handcuffed, and I couldn't get them off. So the next day, Barbara reveals this to us, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and we basically were saying, that's important. It's not just a sort of handcuffing of Barbara for fun. It's actually God saying something to us which is what we've just read, God will pour out his spirit and give visions mm -hmm. because he speaks. And then Brad, because Brad usually gives us what God's doing in him about 36 hours after it happens, so we have to tear it out of him. And he, he that next day told us, uh, I'll just do it for you Brad, because um, you want to behave in front of your father, right? <laughs> so uh, he, he told us that you know, he had woken up at 3 in the morning and couldn't go back to sleep because uh, we had talked a little bit about ACF and God calling us to forgiveness, uh, to deal with forgiveness in that area. And uh, it took him an hour and a half because he was basically being told to bless ACF. And all the other stuff in between took a long time and then eventually he did. But we, we believed that God was speaking through Brad and Barbara and saying the key to taking those handcuffs off is spending some time dealing with unforgiveness and forgiveness relating to ACF, which is what we did. And then, um, we said, Barbara, have you still got the handcuffs on? And she kind of went, yeah, but the next day you were more convicted, right? Yeah, well, I said, no, they've gone. <laughs> right. And they had. But uh, I had to sort of think about things in, in my life, too. You know, had I got these handcuffs on for uh, something that I hadn't let go of? And, uh, and I, I had and I hadn't. Because I thought I'd asked for forgiveness and, or forgiving others, but I hadn't asked it in the name of Jesus. And it made a huge difference. I did then. My goodness, off they went. And there I was um, in the next evening, I think it was. Um, How do you know they were off? Well, um, uh, in my mind, I was dancing, waving my arms around. <laughs> you saw them come off, didn't you? Yeah, they went sort of like that. There you go. <laughs> hmm. And also, um, that evening, I, I have a, uh, well, I got bad knees, like, like um, Fred. <laughs> and, uh, but I have a, a back condition, too, and I've been to a neurosurgeon and things like that. And uh, I've had a lot of pain for a number of years. Anyway, it's gone. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say anything about it to John or anybody else. Because I thought, well, I'll wait a week and see if it's still gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought in my head, you must not test the Lord. <laughs> so I came and told him yesterday. I that think. was wonderful, yeah. yeah. Mm. And it's still gone. So. It's gone. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much. That's very exciting. It's very exciting. Because God's got a ministry for the older people. I wasn't thinking of you. 
thinking of John. Right, John. You can take it. Never mind. Go back to sleep. Uh, probably about six weeks ago now, um, during the time of prayer, I had a picture of the potter's wheel and this clay flying off the wheel. And then I saw the hands putting the clay back onto the wheel and, and preparing it. Before you can start to build a pot or build whatever, you have to get the clay balanced on the wheel, you have to get the clay the right texture, adding water. And that's what I saw and I had a real sense that that was for this body, that God was in a time of preparing to build, getting ready, getting the conditions ready. And I had a, another picture of that last night during worship. Um, and it was, the hands were picking out impurities in the clay, you know, a bit like when Play-Doh falls on the floor and it picks up all the hairs and the dirt and you have to pick them out before you carry them away. And it was like that, but then starting to see this pot being built. And I believe that part of this week has been God saying, I need to, there's things I need to clean, there's things I need to lay down. And so. Thank you. So, not now. So, Father, as we come before the breaking of bread, as we come to, to share together in the breaking of bread, um, let's take these words and allow God to in, embed them, because they're words of life, they're words of promise, they're words of hope, that everyone's included. I get very few experiences. I get very few of these things. So if you're one of those, don't be depressed. You know, believe God and enjoy what He gives to other people because that's why we have the body. But God wants to do something powerful among us. Not hysterically powerful, deeply powerful. But us starts with me. So the potter will work with the individual life, picking things out, not in condemnation, but in, in releasing and he will also do it in the body which is the church as a whole and so our purpose for fasting has been to say Lord we are serious about wanting to be who you want us to be and we don't know how to do it very well and we often make mistakes but we're trusting your love and your power to, to transcend our inadequacies to make something that is beautiful and powerful for you so as we come to break bread together and as we come uh, to this time now of just sharing in a meal before the Lord uh, let us be open to God's Spirit to um, there's an exhortation which is um, let's stop asking him and let's continue to receive what he has already given we were saying last night and I believe it I want and my prayer is that Peter and James and John in heaven you know, I'm tired of looking back and saying, I wish I was there, sort of, depending which part. When, when they were filled with the Spirit, I wish I was there to see it and experience it or walk with Jesus. And Jesus anticipated that. And so he said, the same Spirit that was present when Lazarus was called out, the same Spirit that was present when Peter made, the, made people whole, the same Spirit is the one who is with us now. So if we want to do the things that Jesus did, we just need to be friends of the same Spirit that was the power that enabled Him to do what He did. That's the promise of the Father. And many people will come to know the Lord, just as in the New Testament, when you lay hands on them and they receive healing, and then they say, what was that? 
And one of the threads of this week was also, we don't read in the Bible, the disciples spent all their time having Bible studies and meeting together in exclusion. They prayed over one another every week for every gift they could possibly think of. And they carried on ministering to one another until the end of the times. We don't read that. We read that they experienced the power of God as they went out into the marketplace and trusted God and bore witness to the life of Jesus. And it was out there that the power of God was most manifest. Remember Jim gave the testimony, we prayed with him in the coffee shop and he had a healing of his ear. These are encouragements of the Lord. Let's not belittle them, let's not ignore them. They are encouragements of the Lord to say, I will do it. So Father, we bless you for the gift of your Spirit through the gift of your Son. We pray that you will pour out your Spirit and release your Spirit among us today as we come to break bread together. We pray, Lord, that wherever we feel empty, wherever we feel broken, wherever we feel inadequate, that your Holy Spirit will breathe into us new life. Maybe we're dry and walking with you is a drudgery. We pray, Father, that you would breathe into our hearts new life, that you would recapture our hearts. Maybe we don't know much about the power of the Spirit and we're scared by that. We pray that we would give you permission to lead us into new ways, expand our horizons, break open our boxes and our paradigms. We pray that we would have a new adventure with you, Jesus, and discover that you're so much more, so much bigger, so much more kind and powerful than we are. So Lord, will you do in us and through us whatever you want to do? I give you my life as a lump of clay and say, Lord, mold it to however you want. And thank you that you are the master craftsman. So it's an enormous privilege to be on the potter's wheel in your hands. I'd rather be on your potter's wheel than any other wheel. And so the invitation is open. May we respond with joy and thanksgiving. Amen.